We are now going to continue with chapter 7, Parak Zayin of the book of Daniel. As you will recall from the previous Shior, Daniel had a night vision in the first year of Belshazzar, the king of Babylonia. And he saw four strange animals, one stranger than the next, succeeding each other. He then saw that the final animal, the fourth animal, was taken to justice and was decreed to be of utter extinction. And then, continuing on, he saw a vision where rather than rising from the water, from the clouds of the heavens, a man came that was given absolute dominion. And now Daniel is going to seek the interpretation of the dream. I would like to point out that maybe this dream was the reason for Daniel being haughty or less polite when he spoke to Belshazzar because he had this dream at the beginning of Belshazzar's rule and therefore when Belshazzar summons him to interpret the handwriting on the wall, he knew what the end would be already. We're up to Pasuk Tetvav, verse 15. Et kirit ruchi ana Daniel. And as for me, Daniel, my spirit became uneasy, begonidna, in its sheath, meaning that I just was uncomfortable in my own body. The chazvei roshi yahabhaluni, and the visions of my head bewildered me. He was totally confused. He doesn't know, um, he doesn't know what, what this means, and he's very upset by that. Krevet adchad min ka'amaya, I drew near to one of the standing ones, v'yatsiva, and I asked him, I'll call Dina. I asked him to tell me the truth about everything that had happened, about all this. The Amarli, and he told me, and he made the interpretation of these things known to me. So Daniel is very upset, and he comes close to one of the bystanders and asks him for the truth about these things, and he's taught, and he's he's then given an answer. Notice that the angel over here is, is called Ka'amaya, ones that stand. We know that in the visions of Zechariah, he tells Yehoshua Kohen HaGadol, V'natati l'cha mahalchim ben ha'omdim ha'ele. I will give you pathways or walking rights amongst these standing ones, which is a typical description of the angel. Angels. So now he's going to give the interpretation. Pasuk Yudzayin. Ilain chevata ravrivata, these enormous beasts. Di inin arba, that are four. Arba'a malchin yukumun min ara. Four kingdoms will arise from the earth. So these four great animals represent the four, represent the four great kingdoms that we will, we will see. Vikablun malchuta. Kadishay El Yonin, but the holy supreme ones will receive the kingship. And they will inherit the kingship forever, forever, and ever. So then the Kedoshay El Yonim, the high ones, which is really a description of the Jewish people. God is the most high and most sanctified, and so too as his children are we. We will inherit the kingdom forever and ever. This is quite comforting that ultimately we will survive. But Daniel is not satisfied. He wants to know about that strange fourth beast that he had never seen anything that looked like it. Pasuk Yutet, verse 19. And then I wanted to know the truth about the fourth beast. That was different from all of the others. 
exceedingly terrifying, shinadi parzel, teeth of iron, vitifra di nachash, and claws of copper, achla madaka vishara biragle rafsa. And she and it would devour and then crumble and trample whatever had remained with its feet. So he repeats the vision that he had originally, and he says, I want to investigate and understand what this animal is all about. So then he continues, not only about that, but Va'al Karnaya Asar, and about its ten horns, Dibereisha, that were on its head, Va'achari Disilkat, and and the other one that came up again, unaflamin kadama tilat, and before it three fell, the karnadi came, and that horn, the aininla, and it had eyes, the pumimalel rabravin, and a mouth that spoke haughtily, the chesva rab min chavarta, and an appearance that was greater than its all friends, that than its other than the other ones. That this this little horn obviously seems to have grown to become greater than the others. He wants to understand that. Chazei chavet, I was watching. And that horn waged war with the holy ones. And it was prevailing over them. So he sees the horn does battle with the holy ones. If that's the angels of B'nai Israel, I'm not sure. And it's starting to win. This is a detail that wasn't mentioned in before when he described the dream. But then what happens? Until the ancient one of days came, and the holy supreme ones were granted justice. And the time came. And the holy ones inherited the kingdoms. So now they finally... It, the, the event of the man coming is starting to happen. And now comes the interpretation in depth of this part. Cain Amar, this is what he said. Chevta Riviata, the fourth creature, Malchu Tahavu, Tahavu Ba'ara, there will be a fourth kingdom on this earth. That will be different from any other kingdom. It will devour the entire earth. And it will trample it. And it will crumple it. So this land will have, this empire will have absolutely great dominion over everything. And the ten horns. Malchuta asara malchin yakumun. Ten kings will rise from that kingdom, and we will see in a second the different opinions on that. The acharan, and after that, yikum achrehon. Another one will arise after these. Vuhu yeshnei kandamaya, and he'll be different than the predecessors. Utalta malchin yahashpil, and he will humble three kings. What is? What are these ten horns? Ten kingdoms that will rise up, um, possibly ten Greek kings in the opinion of Rav Yaakov Midan, that were from Alexander till Antiochus Epiphanus, the famous Antiochus of the story of Hanukkah. He's kind of different. He uproots what the other kings had done beforehand. He definitely has very different policies than those kings. Pasuk Chafhei, um, 25, Umilin litzad ila'a yimalel, and he will speak words against the Supreme One, and he will and he will exhaust the holy ones. 
and he will try, he will plan to alter the seasons, vidat and the laws, and they will be given over into his hand until a time and times and half a times. Now, does this mean the end of days? Does this mean in the time of Antiochus? I don't know, but we see that there's some kind of an upheaval that's going to happen as a result of this king ruling, and he will be allowed to rule for a time and a time and a half a time. Um, it could very well be that we know that Antiochus tried to abolish Jewish time. For example, Shabbat and Rosh Chodesh. It could also be that he tried to um, abolish the Korbanot, which are fixed by time, and he tried to establish, he tried to abolish the learning of Torah in general, as we know. So maybe it does refer to Antiochus. It's interesting that if we take ad idan v'idan v'chatsi idan, that the time, if we take, I'm sorry, if we take the words of the pasuk, ad idan, a time, v'idanin, and two times, uplag idan, and a half a time, that's three and a half. And the Avarbanel points out that for three and a half years there was no korban tamid brought in the time of Antiochus. But what's going to happen? and judgment will be set. And they will take away his dominion to be annihilated and to be destroyed completely. And the kingship, the dominion, and the grandeur of all the kingdoms under all the heavens will be given to the holy supreme nation. Its kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. And all rulers will obey and serve it. Till here is the end of my description. Okay, my thoughts frightened me greatly. And my face changed. But I guarded the matter in my heart. I didn't tell it to anybody. This is quite a puzzling uh, vision. Um, and we, it's interesting that we have the same description of Daniel's fear as of Belshazzar's fear in the previous psukim. Um, not only does the vision scare him, but the explanation scares him as well. Uh, there are many, many different interpretations as to what these different things represent. I'd just like to suggest to you, for example, that the um, the four animals, okay, the lion uh, represents Babel, but it can also be seen to represent particular kings in Babel. Uh, we discussed the other animals a little bit more previously. What do the ten horns represent? The Ibn Ezra says that this final kingdom will spread out over ten other kingdoms, and the one small horn that comes up, he says, it still, it still hasn't happened, but it'll be a nation that comes from the east, and it's probably Yishmael, he says. Rashi and the Ramban say these are the ten Roman kings, and that the small horn was Titus, the arrogant king who destroyed the Beit HaMikdash, so that this animal in general represents Edom. The Ralbag said it's the pre-Christian empire, Roman emperors, ten of them, followed by the Christian emperor Constantine. Um, and finally, the uh, Abarbanel says the ten emperors before the Khorban and the one small horn is the Pope who uproots three Caesars 
before Christianity starts off to be great, specifically Julius Caesar, Augustus Caesar, and Tiberius Caesar. Um, and he says that's the teeth and the eyes, that they do it persuasively and they talk to us and they try to change us. Rafsadia, on the other hand, sees the ten horns as Rome, with the new small horn being Islam, as we mentioned before. Now, what are the time and the times and the half a time? As I mentioned before, we had three and a half years of no Korban Tamid. The Ibn Ezra says this happened at the time of the siege of the second temple. So it's a prophetic vision as well. Rashi and Rav Gaon talk about, say that it means Mashiach will come. They have an entire calculation. They say the time is 890 years from the Yitziat Mitzrayim, from the Exodus till the first Beit HaMikdash. And then um, if we add it all together, it's a time and a time and a half, another um, 1,335 years till the Churban, and that will be Mashiach, which they claim will come in approximately the year 1400. Um, the Abarbanel had a calculation similar to that and said that, it would, that Mashiach would come in the year 1500. Unfortunately, both of them were wrong. We continue to try to figure out when Mashiach comes, maybe speedily in our days.